Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast where we ask the question, hey. Hey. Remember the odds? Sure do. I'm Courtney. And I am Thomas. And at this podcast, we talk about everything from the moment you opened up your GameCube and tried Super Smash Brothers for the first time, to hearing the Wii waiting area theme music for the first time. Oh yeah. Do, that, it's, do, it's, do, it's do, 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 do. That's more relevant today than it might have been when it came out. I know, right? I was watching like meme videos on YouTube and I was like so proud of the Wii music for <laughs> becoming our main protagonist. <laughs> yeah. I watched a whole video about the Wii. Not the Wii, the GameCube. Mm-hmm. It's honestly one of the most aesthetically pleasing game consoles ever designed. It really is. It was a little nugget of joy and had so much potential. Mm-hmm. But it's just... I don't know. I. It had so much there and I loved my GameCube. The GameCube was I, a symbol of hope. I think its downfall was its limited library. It really did not nearly have as many games as the other consoles did. It didn't have as many games, but the games that it had were revolutionary and now foundations of gaming, I think. Like, everybody played Super Smash Bros. on Nintendo 64, but I feel like Melee was really what made it stand out. And then you've got Pikmin, you've got Animal Crossing... Luigi's Mansion. Um, no, I know. I'm not taking uh, away the actual games. I think the games right. are very quality. I just think it's interesting. But now after to look I say at, that, that's only like five. <laughs> yes, yeah, it like it's it's interesting. It's run because it had the it had quality. It had quality foundation. It was a great system and had great mm-hmm. games. I think like they had a harder time selling. I remember watching their marketing campaign because this video broke down the GameCube from a love perspective about the GameCube, but it was like, they were worried that they weren't getting enough teenagers to play it. So mm. when they launched the GameCube in 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 uh, Europe, they marketed it as this like edgy gaming console. But that's clearly not what it was. Uh, and I think yeah. there was... The yeah. controversies of Grand Theft Auto were, like, really big. So a mm. lot of European parents didn't want to get the edgy console. And that's the... Nintendo was marketing themselves so as the edgy console. So they weren't buying GameCubes. That's so funny. I'm, like, trying to imagine that and seeing GameCube as this, like, scary thing you don't want your teens playing. I mean, the most explicit games I can think of on the GameCube were Resident Evil, which mm-hmm. for a short period was exclusive on the GameCube. Mm-hmm. And then, which we've talked about before. Yeah. And the then Eternal Darkness, which which is a spectacular, like, Lovecraftian, like, horror game. Right. But that's about it. I don't think they had many other adult titles on the GameCube except for, like, weird knockoff games. Right. I do remember when Animal Crossing first came out, they did these commercials that made it look like the real world, but everybody was dressed up as Animal Crossing characters. Yes. That was the most mature a, a way to approach advertising for a video game that's literally about 
like running errands for your neighbors and your neighbors are all animals with cute names. Yeah. Oh, man. oh you good. know, mm-hmm. the first Def Jam game was on the GameCube. Oh, okay. Def Jam, that what is it? I think it's just I think the first game was just called Def Jam. It was like a wrestling game featuring a bunch of rappers under the Def Jam label. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's when I first heard DMX. Aww, he was DMX. a prominent. He was a prominent character, <laughs> and his music was featured on Def Jam, which I played on GameCube. Mm-hmm. Then the sequel, which I think the sequel was the bigger title, Def Jam Fight for New York, was not on GameCube, okay. but it was such a fun game. I love that game. I never played I- that one. It's it's so much fun. It's a really yeah. well polished fighting wrestling game where cool. you're trained by Henry Rollins. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Rollins just finds his way into every. That's so funny. Um, I know that recently, not recently, like a few years ago, there was a Columbia University grad who was like a professional wrestler. Like what? he went, he graduated and like became a professional wrestler, but also. On the like art education teachers college Instagram page, there's a picture of him from 2016 where he is standing next to his sculpture and ceramics, and I just loved the dichotomy of this like pro wrestler also being really into ceramics, like the softness of building ceramics. I thought that was cute. That's amazing. I love yeah. that. Um. But yeah, so so we talked about GameCube and Wii for a little bit. What was your odds thing? I think I'm just going to roll with this because I was going to talk about okay. the Saw series because I was like, yeah, oh. Saw came out. And because I think Spiral is supposed to be coming out soon. So that's like on the forefront of my mind. I, is that the Chris Rock one? Yes. Dude, Would I you- love Chris Rock just randomly being like, let me make the next Saw movie. Just let me do it. Which Who's I'm excited. No. Yeah, which I'm excited about. Like, I like that there's new and interesting people producing and getting their hands involved in movie franchises that have just been beaten to death. Like, I don't know if it's still happening, but for a long time, LeBron James was, I think he had either acquired or was in talks to produce another Friday the 13th movie. Mm Mm-hmm. I think the only holdup is this ridiculous lawsuit that's still going on, but I was just like... Yo, get someone with new ideas in here. I want LeBron James's Friday the 13th movie. Dude, he was the best part of Trainwreck. Yes, he was. And also, people realizing that Bill Hader could get it. Oh yeah, Bill Hader! Yes, yeah. Another horror fan icon, Bill Hader. Yeah. I love the idea of him being on set of It and... All of his notes are just constantly being like, you have to stop smiling. And it'll be like a scene where they're in danger and he's like, oh no, he's coming. And they're like, Bill, please stop smiling. Also, uh, I I very much appreciate Bill Hader's little nod to the thing in the movie It Chapter 2. Oh, really? There's a point, because in in the movie The Thing, Mm -hmm. what basically happens is this alien life form mimics organic matter at a molecular level right but when it gets exposed it like mutates to like flee or attack mm-hmm. and there's a moment where they burn who they like burn the body of someone who is the thing 
-hmm. but then the head falls off, sprouts legs, and walks away. <laughs> and one of the characters just looks. Like, it's one of these amazing moments of, like, humor in a horror movie where the character just looks, has this, like, utter disbelief on his face and just goes, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Right. Right. So in, in the It Chapter 2, there's a scene very similar where one of the, like, the one of Pennywise's, like, mirage illusions is, like, a kid's head that's also a spider. Mm -hmm. And Bill Hader's just like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. No. I think that, like, of that group of SNL alumni, I feel like Kristen Wiig has always, like, tried to do these very serious roles, and that's fine, but I feel like Bill Hader, it comes more naturally, and it's very clear in Skeleton Twins. I was that, gonna say, she was yeah. in that movie with him. That was, a, I liked that movie. I liked it, too. I, I thought it was pretty good, but I think that, like, Bill Hader, it came a little bit more naturally to him. And I, yes. I feel, like, a little bit more intrigued by his serious performances. So I love that he was in It, too. I love that he has Barry. Barry is such a good show. So, yeah. Yeah, he's great. Do you remember that? Like, I just thought about it. There was a lot in that time of, like, the early 2010s. There was a lot of indie movies that were just filmed in, like, upstate New York in the Hudson Valley. Yeah, I love those movies. <laughs> I do, too. Adam Scott was in a movie like that. I yeah. forgot the name of it. There's Friends with Benefits. No, not Friends with Benefits. That's the Justin Timberlake movie. I always want to call it Friends with Benefits. It's by John Hamm's ex-wife. And Megan Fox is in it. Hmm. Is it like Friends with Children? No, wait, there wasn't there a movie with Olivia Wilde just called Just Friends. I think that's what it was called. Just Friends. No, isn't that a different one? That might be a different one. Hold on. Just Friends is the movie with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. Oh. Which I do really like this movie. Chris Marquette is in it, and he is in Barry. Um... What is the Adam Scott one I'm thinking of with Megan Fox and John Hamm and Kristen Wiig? Um, that movie was kind of not great. Friends with Kids. That's what it Friends was. Friends with Kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, that movie oh. was like a mixed bag of performances. The Megan movie Fox I was, was pretty of, good in it. Yeah. The movie I was thinking of is Drinking Buddies. Drinking Buddies. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, we both watched that movie. We did. Jack Johnson's in it. Jake Johnson. Oh, what did I say? Jack Johnson, who is very similar. <laughs> He's very Jake similar Johnson. to the musician we're talking about today. Oh, no. Jack Johnson is the musician who sings that Seating Waiting Wishing song. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but today we're not talking about anything we've talked about for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about and continue our series of one-hit wonder songs mm -hmm. from the 2000s. Courtney, do you want to introduce us to today's song? Today's episode is about Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Because you had a bad day, you take it one down, you sing a sad song just to turn it around. This is where I insert the song sample. I don't think I realized how high pitch his voice sounded when we were going like when this song was a hit i didn't remember his voice being so like and then 
And now that we're older, I'm like, oh no. Oh, that's a lot Just on the eardrums. Turn it around. <laughs> Say it out loud. <laughs> it's it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so where should we this start? Song, I don't know. This song was everywhere. Know. Like, you don't know what's funny is that it, it, it's such a staple in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like the other song we did, Face Down, is is a one hit wonder. Well, I don't even know. It, it's it is sort of a one hit wonder in that it that one song broke through to the mainstream, but they still had a decent career in the scene. Like if you were into you know, like post punk or hard no, post hardcore like scene music, you were definitely listening to the rest of that album. Uh, but this song was right, and such we also a did hit. have that one kid on our Instagram page about Red Drumsuit Apparatus be like. Their whole first album rocked. No one who hit dude wonder. I don't know. This guy didn't write a full sentence. Yeah, he wrote. He said, "Not totally not one hit wonder." I listened yeah. to the whole album, and it's I was like, like "Dude, you're right." I also just listened to the whole album. This you week. can you can listen to a whole album. Like I love the Cardigans. Yeah, and one nobody gives shit about them after Love Fool. <laughs> like the whole concept is that it's so loosely defined because it means many different things. I think. For us, it's mm. pretty much like, does this song break through, become a phenomenon, and nothing else reaches that same level? Right. Like, you look at, like, I would say off the top of my head, like a pop star, like a Lady Gaga. Like, she's had multiple songs that just had this incredible explosion, you know? Yeah. Could not be stopped. And I, yeah. And I think there's a fair thing to say, like, there are famous bands or musicians who do fairly well and are fairly successful, but never had that like explosive hit. Right. Or in like some of the other examples that we've talked about in earlier episodes where, you know, they didn't really pay much attention to this band because they had their hands in so many other projects or they were doing really well in their own home country and they didn't care about it becoming a big hit. They just continued to make music I feel like this is very canonically an actual one-hit wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Because it literally says on his Wikipedia page, Daniel Powder doesn't make music anymore. (laughs) It doesn't make music (laughs) anymore. He's done. I love that so much. Like, Wikipedia has closed the final chapter on Daniel Powder. Just so everyone is on the same page about this. We are clear. He does not make music anymore unless not you are anymore. a J-pop singer and you want to do a duet with Daniel Powder for whatever reason, because we found a lot of those. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What an interesting... I can just quickly get into the story of Daniel Powder. Yeah, let's do that. He is a comedian performer who by the age of four, was playing violin. And unfortunately, he was bullied at the age of four for playing violin. Um, He had to drop out of music school because he was dyslexic, but used that kind of rejection as motivation to make his own music. That's pretty much all I have. Okay. (laughs) Did I miss anything? No, I don't think so. And this isn't me ragging on the guy. Like, that's quite literally... Yeah, there are some cases of one-hit wonders where it's like they just continue to make music or, you know, they're just living their lives. This guy, he's just, it's just not what he's doing. 
Now. Uh, the biggest surprise to me when I turned on the music video for the first time in probably 16 years was just how normal he looked because when I was a kid I was like this guy looks so old and now that I'm <laughs> parallel to his age at the time I'm like oh he's just fine he's just a normal yeah, looking funny. guy I imagine that came up a lot because I watched some interviews with him and he even says that he doesn't let his age bother him and I'm like how old was he he was in his 30s when I, I think the song came out and in my mind I'm like that's I guess that's inspirational because we're 30 and we've still got a whole lot of life to live. But I guess it like really that that is out of place to have a huge pop hit and be in your 30s in the 2000s. I know with Katie Tunstall, too, she also had a big issue with that as well, I think. And she wasn't even 30, I don't think. I think she was like 29 when... Um... Big Black Horse and a Cherry Tree finally became famous, and people were like, you're not going to succeed. She was like, I'm old. not even 36. I'm not even Daniel Powder's age. <laughs> well, that's, you know what, take this as a testament, anybody, everybody, you, you know, sometimes you hit your stripe later on. Christoph Waltz. He did. Oh, my God. He was much older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people like that. Um, I think Amy Adams also said, too, that the reason that she makes, like, three to four big movies a year is to compensate for how she felt like she didn't, like, hit her stride until she was in her 30s. Huh. That's yeah. interesting point. Yeah. Uh, I think she was in, like, a roundtable with Kate Blanchett, and Kate Blanchett was like, oh, I get so tired of people who make like three to four movies a year and she's like i'm sorry okay i just feel like i have to keep working <laughs> yo that's a that's a feeling cute. <laughs> that's yeah a feeling. <laughs> oh my god but yeah so um i guess we could talk about the music video well what year did this song come out 2005 2005 okay so the music video comes out and it's pretty much what you would expect for this kind of song. It's very 2005. I think that's the best way to put it. It's so 2005. I think it's from another civilization, to be honest. Like, this is a world, this is a problem that oh, I oh. don't remember existing. I have to anymore. tell you about the music video. Yeah. Uh, we have another crossover from a former episode. This music video was directed by Mark Webb. Yes, it was. Yes, Mark it was. Webb. <laughs> and it featured, this is going to sound weird, the video premiered on Yahoo.com. Oh, boy. Oh, goodness. Oh, Yahoo. Yahoo.com. Such a tragic history. I think Mariah, somebody just sold Yahoo.com. I don't remember who. Again? Again, and they sold it at a loss. Oh, poor Yahoo. You just, you can't help but feel for them. It was nominated for Best Male Music Video at the 2007 MTV Awards in Japan. I believe that was the award show that he showed up for. Yes, he did show up for. That's the picture that's all over his Wikipedia page. Yeah. Is him at the MTV Asia Awards. I, I gotta tell you, without a hat... He he has such resting douche face. 
Like, well, I'm sure he's a very nice guy. Mind. I I was gonna tell you I can't make up my mind. I can't because, tell. Yeah. Because some interviews, he seems like a genuinely humble, nice guy, and he has these upbringings where he did he could have he didn't make it his. He flopped out of school because he was dyslexic, so he decided to be, you know, his own creator, and he made his own way, and I'm like, that's admirable. But then I watch another interview where he's answering 20 questions, and he says things like, what's your favorite thing about a woman? Which is a very 2000s question, and his response is, their smell. And then they follow that up with, what's your favorite smell? And he's just like, women. And I'm like, I don't like this at all. Well, he has to keep a hat on. Like, keep your hat on. Don't talk about the things you like to smell. He has a very straight hairline across his forehead, which I think is adding to the sort of resting douche face. But I don't know. It's a very resting douche face. Thank you. I, I like that the resting bitch face has sort of come full circle. At first, it was like a way to break apart from saying like women aren't bitches if they're not smiling if they have if they just look like that like that's their resting bitch face and then it became like well we should stop calling them bitches if their face looks like that and now it's just like a complete 180 on the joke and you just make a parody of it like resting face you know yeah so mm-hmm Let's talk about this video because I thought about a yes. few things when I watched this video and now realizing Mark Webb directed this video, I see a lot of like his other works in this music video. Like my brain goes back to the amazing Spider-Man 2, which is a horrendous movie. Yeah. But there's like a music video montage in the middle of the movie. That's literally just a music video. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. You know, Samara Armstrong probably could have played Gwen Stacy if they did Gwen Stacy right in the first Spider-Man movies. Well, we could still we could still get a Gwen Stacy. I hope we get it. I'm sure they'll do a Gwen Stacy now that like there are no rules and Yeah, they're the gonna do whatever they whatever want. it wants. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um no, but the music video is so funny because it's so it's so heteronormative and like the problems between the two people is just like, hmm, I'm so lonely, which is a fair feeling to have. It's a fair feeling. I felt it when I watched them. Like I'm lonely, but I never wake up at 6.30 or 7 a.m. Right. <laughs> and so it's like the the music video, aside from shots of Daniel Powder singing and playing at a piano, is they do this split screen thing, which is very reminiscent of 500 Days of Summer now that I think about yes, it. Yes, yes it is. They do this split screen. It's just two single white people, Samara Armstrong and this other actor, Jason Adelman, who I don't think had as big of a career, even though... Samara Armstrong was supposed to be big and then she kind of wasn't but so they're just like living their lives they're bored at their jobs everything is very beige and even if there's sunlight it's not like that bright it's very sad office co-workers are laughing these two aren't laughing it's that and then she just decides to like draw on a an advertisement in the subway 
and then he finds it and he draws on it and then she draws on it again and then somehow they find each other and now they're happy and their bad day is over well that was my big question yeah. all right so like well it starts off she draws a rain cloud right raining on because the advertisement is just a woman sitting on a park bench nothing around her enjoying a coffee so she draws a rain cloud raining on her mm-hmm. then he draws her with an umbrella mm-hmm. then she draws a taxi driver splashing a bunch of water to counteract the umbrella but then he draws a man with a coat to protect her from the and part of me just thought how much time do you guys have because these are very intricate drawings right. and i feel like at some point like Maybe it's just my understanding being in New York. I'm like, yeah. I feel like if you stood around to draw on something that long, some MTA officer would stop you. Yeah, and they're not doing it in the middle of the night. It's broad daylight. There are people walking around them. Also, the video ends like she's trying to catch a cab. It's raining out and he shows up at the red umbrella and they look at each other and love is found. But I'm like, they've never met before. Yeah. How this, does she know he's the one that drew that? How does he know? This she, was another scenario where I was like, what if this guy didn't look like this guy and was somebody completely different? Like, what if Big Ed was the person who was drawing the other side of the doodle? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the, you're the girl that drew the rain, <laughs> right? Drew the umbrella. Yes. <laughs> We're not we're not shaming anybody. Big Ed is played by Danny DeVito <laughs> in this music video. I got an egg. <laughs> yeah. But that's well, what I mean, I mean Danny DeVito is mm-hmm. the pinnacle of man, I'll have you know. He's so virile. <laughs> but yeah, it, like the whole music video is essentially like a three minute long rom com from the two thousands, don't you think? It's the prequel to 500 Days of Summer. Oh, no. Oh, it does explain a lot, though, about who the person is that would create 500 Days of Summer. It does. It's a sappy romantic with a very specific image of romance. Yeah. Also that if you're sad, love is the only thing you need to make you feel better. Also, if you think about it, it is similar to 500 Days of Summer in that nothing is explicitly said. No. But the the implications of love are almost supernatural. They should have continued on with the music video. And she's like, are you the one who's been drawing this? And he's like, no, it's not me. It's that guy. And then he points and the camera pans over and it's Big Ed. <laughs> eh, I don't remember Big Ed's voice. It's been so long since I've heard it's, Big Ed. It's really hard to duplicate Big Ed's voice. Because yeah. it's almost it's it's almost yeah. penguin-like. Yeah. Well, I, I keep thinking about it because I'm like, there is this like supernatural element that's mm-hmm. like unspoken. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the point of 500 Days of Summer is that Tom's an incel and needs to get over his shit. Right. But there's still like... He's still almost rewarded for his behavior in that in some supernatural twist of fate, after 500 days, after 500 days of fawning over and like devastatingly heartbroken over this girl summer, it took 500 days in some supernatural act where he literally meets the lo- like the next girl right afterwards, right. like amazingly. And it's like, 
I guess you could look at that and say love is sort of weird like that. Love really is like this spontaneous thing that happens out of nowhere, which is true. I agree with that. Right. But then I also keep thinking like, but maybe he romanticizes that too much to like a degree that's impossible. Like this video is literally like, how do you know? Like, how do you know the guy with that red umbrella is the guy that drew the stupid drawings? Right. And what bothers me about the music video, I remembered it sort of being like generically sad white people. And then when they're both separately on a bus or a subway and they see another couple being all cuddly and they're like, hmm, I want that. It's like, that's not going to solve your life problems. Like, then pan to, like, she's not talking to her co-workers even though she's standing right there. He's in a meeting and they're all laughing and he's, like, I don't know, disassociating or something. <sighs> they need to get their other problems sorted out. Like, meeting somebody yeah. new potentially is not going to fix all well, of that. Courtney, this was 2005. We didn't use words like dissociation and mental health. We no. just... You just, you sucked up all your mental problems and just put them on your partner. Yeah, yeah. Antisocial behavior was not a thing that people were concerned about <laughs> in the workplace at the time. No. It was just like, you should meet somebody nice. You should meet someone nice. Go on Depression, a date. Depression, find the love of your life. Yeah. <laughs> Why aren't you married? Why don't you have the love of your life right now? You're I also... Dirty. You gotta find love right now. You're gonna die alone. Don't be Daniel Powder sitting at his piano. I don't Sorry. actually think that Daniel Powder, now that like I look back on it, it's like, obviously he's not that old. It just amazes me that as a teenager, I was like, this guy looks so old. Well, because when you're like, all we were surrounded by were pop stars constantly made to look young. It is yeah. jarring to then see the pop. Like, it's different if you're into like, let's say you were like listening to punk music. Mm -hmm. Even though like, the forefront of, like, what makes music popular is always going to be the younger crowd. Mm -hmm. And, like, in alt cultures, you kind of almost look up to the older guys. Like, especially metalheads, they have this weird traditional hierarchical way of thinking. So, like, but this isn't that. This is pop music. This is right. mainstream pop music. All of a sudden, here comes this Canadian man yes. who, like, steals the charts. And this is also why the song will never leave her fucking brain. They exclusively use this song for American Idol for years. You know what? I think that's part of the reason why I can't listen to this song. Because of American Idol. Because I was still watching American Idol when this song came out and they started using it. And it almost became Pavlovian and it became triggering because every every episode you'd watch a new contestant leave. Their dreams are crushed. Their hopes are ruined. They have to leave the stage and they do like a montage of their experience on American Idol and they would always play Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Every huh. single time. Every single week. Yeah. They didn't even just pick one that. other song to alternate it with. So. I think about that, yeah. Mm hmm Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I yeah, don't know. Absolutely. I mean, this song also became big when I was really into watching the music shows on VH1. Like, this was and like this a VH1 hit. A yeah. yeah. Because, like, sure, there was MTV, there was Fuse, but there was also, and BET, but there was also VH1, which played more music like Daniel Powder, The Fray. Natasha Bedingfield, 
Corinne Bailey Ray, like sort of like the softer adult pop. And you know what's interesting about this? Mm-hmm. My brain just broke. I'm sorry. I don't remember what I was going to say. I literally had a thought. I literally had a thought. And I don't know where it went. Well, so like the song starts playing on every single week of American Idol. Yes. And starts playing commercials. And then the music the music video is playing a lot. It just becomes everywhere. And I do think that part of that is that people could relate to it. That's why I liked it at first, too. Mm-hmm. And then just so quickly, it just was oversaturated and too much bad day. Yeah. So, to do mm-hmm. a quick thing, he mm-hmm. his follow-up was 2008, Under the Radar. And it didn't even chart in the U.S. It did chart, guess where, in Japan at number 10. Oh. Where I guess, like, he was stayed more relevant in Japan than he did in America. Yeah, I don't get that at all. Then he uh, then he does turn, out, turn on the lights in 2012 and then Giants in 2018. But as you've said, it has been declared. It has been declared by official law. Yes. That Daniel Powders no longer makes music. Wikipedia is law. It is the law of the land. He will not make music anymore. I also separately love listening to Jack Shepard's podcast, and he'll ask celebrities questions like, oh, so I hear you're from this. And they're like, no, no, somebody just wrote that on Wikipedia, and it's just stayed there forever. And I was like, hmm, information's a funny thing. It is, but this is a very true statement. This is finite. He is no longer making music. Yeah, there's something about the totality of the statement that makes it feel very true. (laughs) You will never hear another song from (laughs) Daniel Powder. Um, My other second favorite Daniel Powder fact from Wikipedia is that Weird Al Yankovic reached out to him after this song became famous and asked him for the rights to parody this song and turned it, yeah. uh, it would have been something called You Had a Bad Date. See, that makes, that's, that's, we're really getting into Mark Webb territory. That right? would have been a perfect sequel. <laughs> right. So he said no. Daniel Powder said no. Why? I don't know. I don't know why anybody would turn down uh, a parody from Weird Al. I mean, even before he got big. But... You know, I saw Weird Al live oh, two really? years ago. It was actually a f- it was actually a blast, not gonna lie. It was a genuinely fun time. That's awesome. I only knew, like, so- I only knew his hits. Mm-hmm. But the whole, like, very... There's so much music talent behind, like, the whole performance. Oh, yeah. It was just such a fun time. When I was a kid, I knew of Weird Al Yankovic because uh, when I'd go visit my cousin in Rochester, that's what he listened to as a kid. Oh, yeah. So Such I, a I good time. knew about him before White and Nerdy, but it turns out that's when he was asking Daniel Powder if he could have the rights to his song or if he could parody it. He had just finished making White and Nerdy. Daniel Powder changed his mind and said, like, okay, I will give you the rights to my song. And Weird Al Yankovic said he didn't want it anymore. 
Yeah, because by that time, he's already created his vision. Yes. Yeah. White and Nerdy became bigger than Chameleon Air song that it was based on. But you know what? That's... I still love Amish Paradise. <laughs> That's just perfect. Just the, yeah. the, like, the video itself, just how self, like serious the Amish people are. <laughs> so good. But, so yeah, so he had his chance to extend its life in some way by giving, you know, some semblance of power to Weird Al, and he didn't accept it. So... I don't know. I mean, I think outside of this song, like, Daniel Powder just has a weird singing voice. Yeah. 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 You were saying that. I didn't yeah. listen to any of his music, but it's it's even in this song, I'm like, is this a, is this a, this, is this a voice I typically want to hear in a song? Right. And is the this, answer is no. Is this actually a good singing voice? Or is it just the right singing voice for this song? Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot with Ashley Simpson and her first album. Because she, she had um boyfriend after that first album. Ashley Simpson. I remember that song. But Popcast did a whole breakdown of Ashley Simpson's musical career, which I truly loved. And they talked a lot about how Cara Diaguardi was the singer-songwriter for... The majority of that album that album would not have succeeded without Cara Diaguardi but then they asked the question is Ashley Simpson an actual singer and I think about it from time to time sometimes when I go back to listen to Ashley Simpson but uh, I think that about Daniel Powder too it's like I don't think I actually like his voice I think it just works for this song and I don't even think I can really listen to it with this song anymore on a Monday, I am waiting. On a Tuesday, Tuesday I'm fading. fading. And on Wednesday, Wednesday, I can't sleep. Phone rings and hear you in the darkness. It's clear. It's so great. It's so perfectly I do. Awesome. I do genuinely. I did genuinely like the song a lot. Oh, it's an al- It's a really good album. It's also a terrible album. I remember the distinction was Ashley, her because obviously Jessica Simpson was the pop star. Yeah. This was supposed to be like the alternative pop star, like yes. the edgy one. Yes, my girl. <laughs> Is there truth to the whole like what happened when there was like the lip sync incident? Like, was oh, that, we'll have was to that? talk about that. I have a lot of feelings about that. Um, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff behind that. Like, we could do a whole episode. Just about Ashley Simpson's music, and then a separate episode just about the SNL incident. Um, I do feel bad about that in regards to, like, like when I was a teenager, I, like, loved Ashley Simpson because she was, like, the alternative girl. Like, it was, like, a nice change of pace compared to the other musicians who were popular at the time. And Yeah, it, she I, was the alternative yeah. pop girl. Like, she was, right. like edgier wore more clothes but wasn't breaking from like the mainstream norm really right she still benefited from all of the privilege that was brought to her like by her sister being a pop star but you don't we don't understand guys she's moody and she's messy yeah yeah i think she gets um, restless and it's yeah she gets restless (laughs) um she's living in the shadow 
of someone else's dream. But the dream of a woman who once referred to tuna fish as quite literally the chicken of the sea. Oh, the, you know what? Both of their careers, it's sad to look at now. So, like, that's what I was going to say was that, like, when I was a teenager and the whole SNL thing happened, I was really quick to be like, ugh, she's a phony. She's a poser. I can't believe she did that. Nowadays, nobody would care. I don't know how SNL decides on its standards for what's okay and what's not okay. Like, how can Ashley Simpson be banned from performing at SNL? But then they're going to have Elon Musk on this week. and Wait, they flat they out banned her? They banned her. Yeah. Why? Because of this. Because it's her fault. That, are you kidding me? Yeah. SNL, like, I grew up loving it. We love it because it's New York. And it's brought so many great comedic minds forward. But at the same time, it has such a checkered past. And one of those things is that, like, they consider this so heinous that Ashley Simpson has been banned from SNL. But they let Kanye West on, like, how many... Is he part of, like... Because he's been on musical performance several times. Right. But he's also called out SNL. But that's the thing. That almost makes it worse. It's like, he can... They can blatantly argue in the pub in the public eye, and it's fine. But Ashley Simpson is banned for life. Meanwhile, Elon Musk is going to be hosting this week, and they flat out told cast members, like, "Well, you don't have to participate." Oh, actually, that's that was not that's not true. That's not true. No, uh, he is hosting is though, it? right? No, he is hosting. Well, didn't he already host, or is that this week? I don't know. See, that's the thing, too. I don't think it would matter now, because in 2004, when that happened, uh, SNL was still in the prime, you know, it had had a heyday again. It it had its new era for us. Now, I don't think anybody would give a shit. Yeah, hold on. I'm looking it up, because I remember the New York Post made a thing. I know we should about, be talking about Daniel Powder, but there's really not that much to talk about there. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Hold on. Okay. I have the update. I don't care what they say. I could totally believe Lauren Michaels told cast members, like, well, he's still going to perform. You don't have to be a part of it. Oh, no. What happened is New York Post wrote a headline saying, SNL cast won't be forced to, co- to perform with controversial host Elon Musk. But when you actually read the article, it says, no cast members have pulled out from the show at this time. And nor have they confirmed the statement to be true. The New York Post just published this story to make a controversial story. But that's my point, is that, like, why would somebody like Ashley Simpson be banned from something that, okay, it went wrong, that's fine, whatever, it was but a snafu. a COVID denier, a billionaire yeah. COVID denier. Exactly. Who's so. actively on, like, record talk about how his employees have the choice not to go to work if they're afraid of COVID with no pay, no benefits. And it's just like, this is the guy, but Ashley, no, but how dare Ashley Simpson? Right, exactly. So I think that that's stupid. And I don't think that they've ever considered retroactively changing those rules. It's like, okay, sure. Like they made a choice in 2004. They could easily just be like, you know what? That was really stupid back then. That was really dumb. Like, of course, Ashley Simpson can come back. Once they decide these things, they just stick to it. I don't know. I also was telling my roommates yesterday that with Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos 
being terrible people to the planet and other humans, that they're so gun-ho about colonizing Mars. I would just love if they finally get to Mars and then they find the Australians and New Zealanders figured it out like 10 years ago and they've already been on Mars for like a decade. Oh my God. They finally get to Mars and then Australians. They're so obsessed with getting to Mars, but it's like, yeah, you have a whole planet here. (laughs) I know. Like, let's fix this one, guys. You can do it. Also, this one that is, mind you, significantly larger than Mars. And we already know is inhabitable because we've lived here for centuries. Oh, my God. Yeah. Do we want to read the comments of this video? Because that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We really don't have that much to talk about with Daniel Powder. Like, this is really a cut and dry case of one hit wonder, which is just that none of the other following singles were able to chart as successfully as the first one he's never really come up with anything since then um but one thing that he's definitively done making music yes he has tattooed it on his arm daniel powder is done making music um I don't, that's not actually true, but I just picture. Never again. He has it plaqued on his wall somewhere. Daniel Powder will never make music again. Um, but one thing we did truly enjoy out of rewatching this music video was just the comments underneath the music video on YouTube. Yes. Um, yeah, so let's, let's just find some good ones. The ones that, the one that first made me decide we should do this was the top one. Tom, do you want to read that? The top one with uh, top rated 17,000 likes and 318 replies. This reminds me of the old days when Corona was only a beer. Yeah. Yeah. This one was the one that reminded me like, oh, this music video is talking about a bad day from a world that does not exist anymore. Yeah. Like our bad days now are like economical failure. Racial divide and injustice, pandemic, faltering economy, you know, bad day because you're feeling kind of lonely. It just seems like a completely different world. Oh, can you... <laughs> Do you want to read the other comments? That There's some that are just amazing. Yeah, These another... very recent, by the way. Yeah, another one that we really appreciated um, was by someone who wrote, I just had a bad day. This is what I did. Listening to music. Not killed people. Yeah, a lot of these... Still, <laughs> this one is similar. Still can't believe the sh- we said that the shooter had a bad day and decided to shoot up three different places. A bad day, really? I don't think normal people go on a killing spree over having a bad day. Yeah, shout out to all the people who don't shoot up a spa after having a bad day. <laughs> Like, it just perfectly oh coincides with a terrible excuse that was used to harm innocent people. And to essentially get treated with more respect than a lot of people. <laughs> um, so I found a yeah. Japanese comment and I mm-hmm. translated it. Yeah. And it says, doing this song in an English class today, there is also a Japanese translation on the print. I was really sick. So I got energized. Wait, what? 
the last sentence, I'm not sure it translated right, or maybe it's just the language. He said, I was really sick, so I got energized. Oh, okay. Maybe the song was energizing. I guess that's what it meant. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Someone wrote, listening to Bad Day every day in 2020, because it is. <laughs> One person wrote, the 21K dislikes are from people that had a good day. <laughs> <laughs> and where was another one? There were some that were so funny. This, this person hit- wrote back when... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. This hits different when you're actually having a bad day. <laughs> <laughs> this person took it very seriously. Timeless. For every decade, every generation, this song will always be special. And it got 54 likes. Good on them. Yeah. This person wrote, Back when times were simpler, music had better vibes, and the world was a better place. Hmm. I care to disagree, sir. I don't think this guy... Who says this? Maybe because we were, like... We were conscious enough in 2005 to realize, like, we were in the middle of the Iraq War. 9-11 was fresh in our mind. Gender politics were a lot worse than they are now. Like, I don't know if there's any validity to this statement, but sure, man, no. if it makes you feel better. Yeah. That's, that's some golden age thinking right there. Yeah, that's also probably a person that says, like, man, people are so sensitive these days. Like, I can't even hug a girl without getting in trouble. Or did you see that the went viral? This fucking guy for the Orlando Sentinel wrote a whole fucking article about how woke disney is ruining his disney world experience no i didn't and i got and like i remember reading like hearing about it, i just got annoyed i'm like oh because <laughs> like what are you talking about you could still go to disney world and it's still there like I, you know what it is i think he was mad that they changed like one of the caricatures on the on the the jungle ride to oh, not sure. be as racially insensitive. And he was like, Disney is ruining my time and immersion. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, what do you want? What do you want? Do you want us to go back to the days of like really, like really obviously racist caricatures? Like that's right. That's what it speaks like. It's like this guy wishes Song of the, Song of the South was released on DVD. That's what this sounds like. Because like, yeah. I don't understand anything else. You still have your princesses. You still have your magic stories. You still have... All the fantasy elements are still there. The only thing that's changing is some caricatures. It's like, so what's the good old days of Disney? What, like, the stereotypes? (laughs) Right, right. Like, I remember you and I both went on my favorite ride when we last went to Disney. The, um, like, the log ride. And when I was 13 and we first went on that ride as kids... Like, I was so excited because I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm finally brave enough to go down this gigantic water mountain. And I had no idea that that, like, super racist hillbilly hick ride is happening inside the mountain. So as a 13-year-old, I was like, oh, no. Something is happening here, and I don't know what's going on. So I'm very glad that they're changing it to, like, a Princess and the Frog ride. Give the Princess and Frog, like, some more hype. You know? Yeah, I don't understand. Like, the only way that article makes sense is if your legitimate idea of escapist fantasy is to 
have a good time hanging out with a bunch of racist caricatures. Yeah, also, that really, really makes your escapist fantasy at the forefront of priority, because it's like, well, so long as I'm not offended, this is all fine. So long as I'm happy, then I don't care what's happening to everybody else. That's right. So I, I found another Japanese comment. Yeah. yeah. It translates to I was a Japanese who wanted to find out Japanese comments from all the comments. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bad translation. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. <laughs> Um, I, I do find it interesting that there are some people who are like, God damn, these were the good old days. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, I mean, like, we're not doing too great now, but also, like, those two main characters in that three-minute rom-com that's supposed to be the music video are avoiding a lot of disassociative behavior. Yep. They're clearly not having a good day. They're not having a good day. (laughs) So I wanted to point out my favorite comment of all the comments. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for this comment? Mm -hmm. I wanted to let everyone know that Jesus Christ loves you. Oh, yes. Here we go. Yes. And wants the best for you. And he is coming very, very soon. It's end time. (laughs) And I pray and hope everyone will repent. And come to Jesus Christ before it's too late. That's I'm so... praying for everyone's health and for everyone's peace. I love you all. Romans 10, 9, 13. You don't love me. Rainbow, you don't love me. Rainbow emoji. A, a, is that it? Oh, I, I thought that was a lobster. It's a dove emoji, a crucifix emoji, and oh, a purple heart. Oh, that's scary. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, if end times are coming, does good health really matter? That's so ominous. I don't like that that person wrote that comment just because it's like so. Also, very final, you know, just Daniel Powder will no longer be making music. It is the end times. I love all of you, crucifix emoji. It's like, no, I don't want that. I'm going to comment. I wrote, you might have ironically wrote the most metal comment of all time. Because um, it is very doom and gloom. There is a very meta comment in regards to us mentioning, like, the term bad day now. And it says, I hope Powder is paying attention to how this song might be used in relation to this week's tragedies. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> this isn't Daniel Powder's fault. No. Just because he declared he's not making music anymore. But it's just very clear about how language changes over time right like i think about how people are freaking out about sentence structure with they them it's like bitch you were not using proper grammar before they them became a popular pronoun okay do not act like you are suddenly the grammar police because if you were the grammar police we'd still be talking like we were in a jane austen novel okay yes so you know i don't think in 2005 daniel powder was planning on bad day being a term used not so i don't even know how to explain it in comparison but yeah oh my god i found an amazing comment i found an amazing comment 
Wait, you're telling me this song wasn't written by Alvin, Simon, and Theodore? I love that so much. There are so many people <laughs> who said, like, thanks, Alvin and the Chipmunks, for bringing me to this song. It's like... Because you had a bad day, you God, remember those fucking movies? I I really love people who like take this song literally. It becomes easier to pass through the boring days when I listen to this song. That was two weeks ago. Oh my god. The first Alvin and Chimonks came out in 2007. Yeah, it says What the fuck? <laughs> Three weeks ago. Daniel Powder's bad day. Hearts emoji. Chipmunk's bad day. Starry-eyed emoji. <laughs> oh my god. What a How tune. many Alvin and Chipmunk movies did they make? The second one came out in 2009. Okay. Let me see. Oh no, okay. we'll have to watch the Alvin. Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Yeah, there are a lot of Alvin and the Chipmunks comments. Alright, so these are the movies. There's the 1987 one, which I, re I remember that one fondly. I do remember that one fondly. 1980s and, like, early 90s Alvin and the Chipmunks were my jam. There's the one where they had to, like, fly across the globe. The Chipmunk Adventure, yes. Yes, oh my god. That one is such a good movie with good songs. Oh, you know, I was actually, I was a big fan. Mm -hmm. There was two direct-to-video Alvin and Chipmunk movies. Oh, oh. Was it was, Alvin? And, was it the werewolf one? Yes, Alvin oh, and Chipmunk meet Frankenstein, mm -hmm. and then meet the Wolfman. Those I were love good. Those. I then really we have enjoyed those. Al Alvin and the Chipmunks, two thousand seven. Okay. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. I hate that. One. I hate that I so cringed. much. Alvin and the Chipmunks, Chipwrecked from two thousand eleven. Oh, and the last one, Alvin and the Chipmunks, Road Trip. 2015 um tom i found a comment that reminds me a lot of you but also sort of the like sort of bro rock that we were talking about from the red jumpsuit apparatus episode every time no. i hear this song automatically my typical not bad day transforms into a good day the last time i hear i hear it was maybe a year ago until now maybe because i usually listen to new metal that also makes my life better. Slipknot. Um, what is sewed? S-O-A-D. Sewed. Oh, System of a Down. Oh, right. Okay, okay. Disturbed, Mudvayne, Lincoln, Lincoln Park, Three Days Grace, etc. <laughs> I feel personally attacked. <laughs> but I got to like when we've been talking about these like songs and these videos where you're like I wouldn't have enjoyed this as a kid but now I can get into it yeah <laughs> so uh, I think I'm I think I'm good talking about the song yeah yeah there's really not that I mean like I think I was kind of hoping we'd find something interesting about this and unpack it a lot like the way we've been able to with other songs and there's just really nothing else to find um i remember when i was a kid and i did like this song for a short while um i limewire was banned from my home 
Really? Because, well, my dad worked in cybersecurity, right? That makes sense. So, okay. <laughs> it was very clear LimeWire was not allowed near our home. But I remember, because LimeWire wasn't okay in our home, that I asked a friend to burn me a CD of songs I did want from LimeWire, and I asked for this song. Nice. And then shortly after that, I was like, I think I'm good on this because I'm hearing it literally everywhere. Yeah, you didn't have to go far to hear this song. No. And then I think even if I go into a grocery store now and I hear it, it's just, you start singing it and then you're like, God damn this song. Yeah. But I think that's that's about it. That's really all there is to say about it. Just like his music career, we are ending the conversation about the song now. We are No done. More Music by David Powder. Daniel Powder. <laughs> Daniel Powder. <laughs> Apparently he likes Raymond Carver books. I, I have yes, he does. one of Raymond Carver's books in my shelf. He also likes the smell of... <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> Did you think that the Al Pacino movie, The Send of a Woman, literally involved smelling a woman? Sure. Sure. I don't know what they do in Canada. Yeah, that's true. All right. <laughs> Courtney. Tom. What has been your weekly obsession? Um, I hate looking at screens. I'm I'm tired of it. I hate it so much. Fair. Yeah, it it's everything, you know. Um like Zoom calls, applying to different things, grants, applications, jobs, like all these kinds of things that you're constantly on the screen for social media, all of it. So I've been reading a lot. Um, a lot of reading. And I just finished a book that was really good called When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. Um, she is usually uh, writing romantic novels. I think this was her first thriller. I'm sure that she has written thriller on her own, but uh, this was the first one that's been published. And it's uh, about gentrification in a small neighborhood in Brooklyn. And it's really, really good. Like, the pace just keeps you going the entire time. And it follows, um, like, a girl who grew up in the neighborhood all her life. She comes back because her mom is sick and she has gotten a divorce. And she starts to see things changing in her neighborhood and people from her childhood are starting to disappear and it's really really good and I feel like it's so important for people to better understand like privileges that they've grown up with or struggles that they don't know that maybe other people have grown up with and it's, it's a really good book okay yeah it's a fast Makes read. Sense. I read it in two yeah. days. Nice. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my god, I forgot the emerging rock trends. Oh no, I was kind of hoping we wouldn't talk about it. Alright, so okay. um, I have it pulled up. Okay. I already added the I added the entry. No, I was trying to avoid it. Fine. Let's just add it to not okay and call it a day. There it is. Okay. It's done. We never have to talk about the song okay. ever again. We are done talking about Daniel Powder. 
We will add it to our Wikipedia page. We will never talk about it again. <laughs> Tom. So long as he's not making music, we will not talk about it again. What has been your obsession this week? I just started watching Shadow and Bone. Yes! What did you think? And I love, I love it so far. Okay. I love, like, it's got the sci-fi fantasy elements, mm-hmm. but it's very much, like, steeped in this, like, Victorian steampunk post-apocalyptic vibes that mm-hmm. I really fucking love. I think the performances are great so far. I've only gotten to episode two. But it also doesn't feel, I'm... like, too heavily laden on the aesthetic either, right? Like, I feel no, like... No, it's not. It just... Yeah. Some would just rely on that. No, it feels organic. Yeah. It feels like a world that I can see. I can live in it. I enjoy it. It's a gritty world, but it's not self-indulgent in the grittiness. Right, like, like Hunger we Games. We know it's a world. Or or fucking Game of Thrones. Right. Like, we, we're aware it's a world where shit happens, but we're not focused on it. We're not putting the camera on it. We're not... Like, we know certain characters were sold, you know, into, you know, some type of sex trade. But we're not going to have a five-minute scene where we have to see it. (laughs) It's there, but it's like the world is like, you know what it is? It's because this world is rooted in this grittiness. Mm -hmm. But the exciting thing is the story. This new exciting thing that can bring hope, but can also be a potential use of abuse of power. It's like, mm-hmm. that's the excitement. Yeah, and I just like the way that they approach it. I feel like you're right. Like, there is a world that has issues, and it's divided into different things, and it has its struggles, but it doesn't overindulge in that. I think that the use of the Six of Crows, the mercenaries, is a great idea that actually in the book's comes much later as like a separate prequel so i like that for the show to kind of give it this sort of like breath of fresh air that they include the six of crows and their journey and like you kind of wonder like how is this going to be interlaced with the main story yeah i just love it it's pretty great oh my gosh also i found out that ben barnes can really sing Really? Yeah, I found footage of him singing Somebody to Love by Queen, but he called it Somebody to Hug. He's got a great singing voice. I was genuinely surprised. Nice. Yeah. I also, he is pretty, He's he shows up quite frequently in episode two. They really want to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's a handsome man well that's what i liked about it too was i think that a lot of ya series go over the like the forbidden love and also sort of like the dynamic of like dude your love interest is actually like really really toxic but i feel like the way that they describe it in shadow and bone makes a little bit more sense like she's fully aware that he in some ways like is still trying to tell her what to do or have or could have power over her but because their powers are the only ones that can parallel each other like they're the only ones who have this insane amount of power there's always going to be some sort of attraction they're always going to be drawn to each other in some way and yeah. i don't know i mean maybe if he wasn't the darkling like it could have worked out i don't know it i'm into it it's good. 
That's fair. Yeah. I'm still only on episode two. I know. But I'm getting it. I'm watching it as we... I will watch it. Also, Resident Evil 8 came out, and we'll be streaming that yes. later. It's going to be a fun time. Yes. Big booty vampires. Vampires. Yes. Werewolves. Yes. Gothic horror. Ghouls? Ethan Winters. Yeah. I love that the main protagonist is just a guy named Ethan. Yeah. Like, we've come for this franchise has had, like, big, larger-than-life anime-type characters. Like, your Leon Kennedy. Jill Valentine. Chris Redfield. Yeah. Chris Redfield. You know, Rebecca. You have all these bigger, larger-than-life, like, anime protagonists. And now our main character is just a guy named Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just a guy. And that's adds to the horror, because he's not, like... Especially in Resident Evil 7, the, the one that came out before this. He's just a guy who got stuck in a swamp house, and he has to get out of the swamp house. And he's, house. like, trying to save his wife, right? He's trying to save his wife. But do you think, okay, so, like, Resident Evil 8 in the trailers, they show Chris Redfield just, like, straight up killing his wife. Do you think that that really happened? Like, what has what is going on there? I don't know. I'll start. I'll find out later. I think. I'm so excited. Because in, the, in the, one of the plots of Seven, she is infected by this mold. Right. So I don't know if that leaves any attributes or if that... Because that, I think that's the driving plot of this game is that the baby must have something about it that this vampire cult wants. And then there's also the theory that Chris Redfield has turned evil. Or a werewolf. Or a werewolf. Oh, man. I'm just like, ugh, something good in 2021. And it's super gothic. Like, it is... Like, I kept thinking about like the old universal monster movies mm -hmm. and it's like almost seems impossible to revitalize these old gothic monsters as terrifying mm -hmm. but then like this game kind of does it it takes this creepy euro gothic environment and throws you right into it and it works and i'm i'm and i'm excited ethan is the hero of 2021 <laughs> he's He's just a guy named Ethan. He has no powers. He has no abilities. He wasn't a cop. He wasn't a soldier. He's just Ethan. He just is a guy who got himself into a shitty situation in the last game. And now he's just swept up in all of this. But He's like, like us. Yes. He's just a normal guy swept up in an unrealistic situation trying to make it out. I think what makes the aesthetic of this game so exciting too is like... Like you said, like it sort of revamps the monsters of old, but also indulges itself in every single element of it. So it's like decadent and campy and over the top, and it just doesn't let like let go for a second. No, it's, it's great. Gorgeous. Yeah, it went ham, I'm, and that's good. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. This is another episode of our One Hit Wonder series. We're never going to talk about it again, though. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> There's, there really wasn't never that again. much to say to begin with. I will never even say the song's name anymore. I'll just say the song that shall not be named. <laughs> it has been so written on Wikipedia, in. and therefore it will be. Sorry. Yes, no, you're. that's, that's good. Uh... Find us on Instagram. Remember the Zero Zero S podcast. Listen to us on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, stuff, Amazon, maybe. 
I like how you are found. I like how you always add Amazon maybe as like that's part of it. That's a part of the whole title of the website. Just call me. <laughs> With that, thank you. And have a good day. Did I forget anything? No, I think that's enough. Okay, perfect. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.